Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Well, several years ago, after a long season doing what I do, uh, leading and teaching and preaching and ministry and, and leading through some, some navigating some, some challenging and exciting seasons, um, I was coming near the end of a certain season and I had several people uh, write me some notes and uh, some notes of encouragement and some uh, thank you letters and things like that. And one person in particularly sent me a gift and it was one of the more unique gifts I've ever received. Um, this gift was like, a, it was a framed picture of a phrase. And it was really well done. It was nice. It was a nice picture, nice frame. And in the center of the picture and the phrase was this phrase right here. It's not even a full sentence. It was the reality is. And I was like, well, that's a weird thing to send somebody as a gift. And there was a, a letter that accompanied it that, that talked about how much this person learned from me. But this was the phrase that they remembered the most. And I, I thought this was odd. And so I took it home and I showed it to my wife. And, and I said, look at this. This is the strangest gift I've ever received. Um, and, and she said, she looked at it and she said, are you kidding me? That's hilarious. You say that all the time. The reality is this. The reality is that. And, and it was like, at that point, I was just irritated. I was like, you know, really, after all of these years, after all of this time, after all of the work, that's what you remember. I mean, I had seen some really cool things that people uh, had done with Andy's portable, repeatable, pithy, rhymy phrases that he has. And this is what I got. Like, that was my thank you and sort of the, the memorabilia that, you know, that was going to hang in my office it was nice. It was a nice gesture. It's not hanging in my office. As a matter of fact, um, that day I decided internally, I didn't make this commitment out loud, but I made a personal commitment. And I'm never saying this phrase ever again, because apparently I would say it over and over. And I hadn't thought of that in years uh, until just a few weeks ago. I was sitting right down here in the front row and I was listening to a sermon. Um, and I was listening, it was near the beginning of the year, and I was listening to Andy preach. And about halfway into the message, uh, if you were here, you remember he suggested or he, he sort of offered a, a better question as you think about the new year and about what a question that might direct your, your new year. And then the question that he suggested was this question right here. What breaks your heart? It's a very directing question. It's, it's an emotional question. But what's the sort of thing that, that breaks or grips your heart? And honestly, I think I missed the rest of the message. Like I knew immediately for me, my mind started racing. My thumb started typing rapidly on my phone. And, um, and, and I knew the answer immediately because um, it, it's sort of my why. And, and I wouldn't have articulated it this way in a previous season, but it's the why behind why I feel I do what I do. And it's what kept me going on in seasons that were really, really difficult. And in seasons when I wanted to quit or seasons that I had other opportunities to sort of bail and go do something different. And um, 
after I finished getting all my initial thoughts down uh, on a little scratch pad in my phone on Evernote, this stupid framed phrase came to mind. Because the first thought that came to my mind when I, when I heard the question was all of the broken situation and situations and broken relationships and, and broken people and broken hearts that I've experienced over the years because of people choosing to live in unreality. You've seen this. I know I'm not the only one. I've had a front row seat for a lot of circumstances that, that, that sort of come our way in, in terms of people that do what I do, but people that were making decisions and, and choosing to close their eyes to things. And you've seen this too. We've, we've all seen unreal circumstances, decisions and behaviors turn people's lives into an absolute dumpster fire. You, you've seen this and it, and it just, it, it becomes an absolute mess. And, and, you think, oh, I could have saved you. I could have helped you. I could have, if you'd only asked ahead of time. And so it's one of those things that, that causes me uh, to continue to do what I do. And also in those situations, I find people are unbelievably confused. Like, how did I get here? How did this happen to me? Like, what was I thinking? And so here's the question I want to address in this series. I don't know that I'm going to fully answer it. But I'm going to do my best to address this question right here. And the question is, what is really going on? Hey, have you ever been in a set of circumstances, set of circumstances, or in a situation, or looked at somebody else and you're like, what is going on? It's like the world's gone crazy, or you feel like you've gone crazy. And, and, and I know this sounds like a really, really broad question. The title of the series is Heaven, Hell, and Everything in Between. So I've drawn large enough fences that I think we can fit it all in. But here's the thing. Here's what I, I want to ask of you. For some of you, and, and you're going to have your pushbacks, you're going to have your questions. In fact, we're going we're gonna to kind of dive really deep pretty quickly here. Here's what I'm going to ask is, would you at least be thoughtful about this? For some of you, this is going to be some of the most important content, not, not my content or my message, but the content we're going to look at is some of the most important content you're ever going to consider. And that's all I'm asking of you. Would you at least consider? Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the fact that True reality can be incredibly difficult. And I, what I want to do is try to do my best to offer what seems to me is a biblical framework for what's really going on when things go wrong. And you can push back and you can have your questions and that's fine. But I'm just going to ask, would you at least consider, would you thoughtfully consider this content that we're going to put forth. And here's the thing. In order to do this, in order to understand what's happening when things go wrong, we have to go all the way back to when things first went wrong. And I know exactly what you're thinking, and it's not what you're thinking, because it's not the place in the beginning. Because you know I like to go back to Genesis in the beginning. Um, it actually started before the beginning, if that's possible. And to make that more confusing, we actually have to go to the end to discover what happened before the beginning. Now, that, to make sense of all that, let me, let me explain. Let me give you a little context. In several places in the Bible, um, several different people and several different authors talk about this ancient war that happened. There was an ancient war that was before the beginning of the world, before the beginning of humanity. And it, it took place in heaven. Matthew talks about this. Peter talks about it. Jesus talked about it. John, Ezekiel, Isaiah, several different places in the Bible that reference this conflict or this war that took place before earth was created before our world was created. And the story has to be pieced together. If you're really interested, send me an email. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to send you a sort of a more comprehensive uh, place where you can look at all this, but I'm just going to give you an, uh, the highlights, an overview of what happened. Now, there was an angel and he was known as the morning star. 
As a matter of fact, his name was Lucifer. He's also known as Lucifer, but Lucifer is translated as the morning star. He was, he was actually a star among the highest ranking of the heavenly beings or, or the angels that, that were known as the cherubim. The cherubim were some of the highest ranking um, angels. And I know some of you are thinking, oh gosh, what, what are we talking about? He was actually a covering cherub is what it's known as. And the covering cherub, this is what they did. They actually surrounded, they were the, the cherubim to, altogether, they surrounded the throne, they thro- the throne of God. And their job, they were, what they were tasked with was guarding and defending the law. Specifically, their job was to look after and guard and keep up the order of heaven that there was a created order to things and their job was to protect that order of things by being a sort of first defense surrounding the throne. Now, um, motivated by a desire um, to no longer be under God. So Lucifer did not like the order of things. He didn't like to be governed. He wanted to be out from underneath God's governance. He launched a rebellion. And, and, and in truth, this was a governance war. That's what it was about. This, this governance war was a struggle for ultimate authority. And whether it was ultimate authority in the, war, in, the, in the universe, we don't know. But clearly, Lucifer did not want to be under God's authority any longer. He wanted to be the authority of his own life and his own realm. And he brought a, a lot of the other angels along with him. And instead of being a reflection of God's creation that he was, because everything that God creates reflects him, he wanted to be a replacement of God. Instead of protecting the order of things, he wanted to defy the governance of God. He chose to deny the natural order of things. And denying God's authority was an attempt to defy the fundamental order of things. And it didn't go well for him, that's for sure. In fact, you can, you can read more about the story, but as, as anyone who picks a fight and can't back it up, it doesn't go well for them. It, it go, went about just like this would go if these two kind of got in a tangle. And, and so this is where we have to go to the end. So if, 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 um, if you have a Bible, you may or may not want to turn there, but um, I'm going to go all the way to the book of Revelation for a second. Um, I don't know if any of you have read Revelation. It's hard to make sense of. There's a lot of imagery. You have to do a lot of homework, a lot of studying, a lot of digging to understand what it's talking about. But in Revelation, which uh, is a book that was written by the Apostle John, John had a vision that was, came to him from heaven. And it was a vision that God gave him of how things would end up in the end, at the end of this age. And so there's lots of, there's lots of metaphorical language about what's going to happen. And, and it's sort of the culmination of this conflict, the conflict that started way back in the beginning when things first went wrong. And as a part of Revelation, John actually talks about this incident when Lucifer defies God and this, this governance war breaks out in heaven. And he tells us what happens to Lucifer. He says that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, it was, this was Lucifer, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So John talks a little bit about Lucifer and a third of the, the cherubim that, were, that sort of sided with him that were kicked out of heaven. And the first time he surfaces after he's kicked out of heaven, anybody in, in human history? The Garden of Eden, thank you. Whew. I was getting nervous there for a second. He surfaces in the garden. And, and this is another conflict for governance. Now just be thoughtful for a minute. Think about this. This is an attempt to defy the created order of things. What happened in the garden? God's original created order, it only had one rule in the beginning. There was only one thou shalt not. 
There was lots of things that, that man and, and woman were free to do. And there was one tree in the center of the garden that said, God just said, hey, I want you to trust me. Don't eat of that tree. If you eat of that tree, you will surely die. So just, I want you to trust me. Don't touch that tree. Well, the, the, the sly serpent, Lucifer, he, he, he says to, to the woman, like, come on, like, did God really say you'll surely die? I mean, surely you won't die. I mean, if you eat, perhaps this is what God's afraid of. Perhaps you'll be like God. And in that temptation, it's the same appeal, the same appeal that caused Lucifer to rebel in the beginning. It was the desire for autonomy, for self-governance. And it was contrary to God's created order of things. And so the crafty creature who was, you know, more than any of us could handle and more than they could handle, um, he takes what God, he took what God created and what God taught and he twisted it and he perverted it. He counterfeits it. And, and he whispers the same thing to her that he, he whispers us. It's like, I mean, surely, surely it's not gonna go that way for you. I mean, just do what you want. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like you don't have to listen to him. You can do what you wanna do. And out of their own free will, the man and his wife, they ate of the tree and they brought chaos into the world not just into the world, but into their world. They brought chaos into their relationship with each other. They brought chaos into their relationship with God. And so one of my questions immediately is, I mean, why in the world did God create humans with free will? I mean, it seems like that, that... he should eliminate that after the whole ordeal with Lucifer and, and the, other, the other cherubim. But the, here's the thing, is to eliminate free will, is to eliminate the opportunity uh, to choose things like love and to choose things like adventure. And God didn't create man as a, a programmed robot. God created you um, as people to enjoy and to enjoy his creation, to choose what you want to enjoy, to have some free will. And love requires free will, but that also brings some measure of unpredictability, which can be dangerous and, and it can be chaotic. And, and so that's where, that's, that's where things in the beginning all went wrong. And the interesting thing is, is that's not that different than what we, we, we experience today. Some of you are thinking, okay, that's all really, really interesting. Um, and some of you are thinking that's terribly boring. Um, your question is, okay, you said you're gonna talk about what's really going on. And, and what does that have to do with what's really going on? And if you're serious about the, the question, the answer is absolutely everything. This is how the authors of the, of the Bible depict our reality. This is, this is when, when, with all of that as a backdrop, this is how they depict reality. They said, there's, there's two forces. I'm gonna unpack these. There's two forces. There's two realms. There's one reality. Two forces, two realms, and one reality. The, the two forces that exist in the world, the two forces are, excuse me, I gotta go over here, are heaven and hell. We, they're the forces of heaven and hell. And, and I know for some of you, that, that's, that's a bit problematic. And some of you are thinking, you know, I don't know what I think about heaven and hell and are they actual places? And that's what we're talking about. I don't, I don't want you to get lost in that. Um, you, most of you believe in good and evil. You believe there's forces of good and evil in the world. And that's good enough for now. We'll come back to the rest. But equate those with heaven and hell. This is the way the scripture talks about it. There's two forces. There's forces of heaven. You can call that the force of good and the forces of hell. Um, the force of evil. And then there's not only two forces, there's two realms. 
And this is a simple, to simplify, the two realms are the seen realm and the unseen realm. Now, some of you are going, okay, do, 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 do. Like, where, where are we in this? Are we, are we in church? Like, some of you think this is primitive. It's mystical. It's ancient Eastern. I just, just reserve judgment till the end. I just want you to consider for a minute. I mean, the truth is, is we're, we're shaped by Western thinking. And in Western thinking, we think far more concrete and verifiable and tangible, four-dimensional. And some of you are like, exactly. But do you know that the brightest minds in our world, specifically the quantum physicists, they, the, those quantum physicists in our world, um, they believe in more unseen dimensions than they do seen dimensions. String theory is one of the most sophisticated uh, ideas in, in physics. And string theory has discovered at least 10, if not more dimensions in the world that have an impact on our world. And, and s- seven or more of them are unseen. So even the brightest scientific minds in our world believe there's more going on than just what you see and, and what you determine or what you impact in life, that there are other things that impact our reality. Here's why this matters. It's because when it comes to our one reality, Most people believe, most people who believe in heaven and hell believe that heaven and hell are in the unseen realm. Like there's two realms, the unseen and the seen realm. They're they're in the unseen realm and that everything else, our reality, everything else is in between. There's heaven and there's hell and there's everything else that's in between. But that's not what the scriptures teach. In fact, the scriptures teach that, that these two realms, the realms of heaven and hell, they actually overlap our world. These two realms and their influence and their forces, they actually overlap the world in which we live and the realm in which we live. And they, they influence our thoughts and our, our decisions and our actions. And this is at play every day in our world. Now, there, there, there's, there is two different realms. There's seen and unseen. But these two forces that are in two different realms are having an influence in your reality and they're diametrically opposed to each other. They're, they're con- they continue from the beginning all the way to where John talks about the conclusion of this battle or this war in the end. They're warring against one another for governance in our reality. You've seen this. You see the battle between good and evil, the, the forces of, for good and the forces for, that represent, seem to represent evil in our world. You see them warring and battling and undercutting each other over and over and over. And Paul, the apostle Paul in the scriptures, he describes this, but he describes it on a personal level, how, it, how it's functioning in your life. He, his description of this battle and this conflict is how it's happening in our reality, in your life, and in my life, this is what he says. He says, the sinful nature, the nature that, that came from the defying of God in the beginning, the choosing not to, fo- to uh, follow the fundamental order thing of things. Sin just means to miss the mark. To, when things went off the rails and they went the wrong direction and it missed the mark, it created the possibility of a different type of nature that was against the order of God. It's known as the sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit of God is wanting to lead and guide our lives. That's what he promised the, 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 the spirit would do in our lives, that he would guide us, that he would, he would illuminate our, our minds to truth. They would, he would comfort us and guide us in the way we should go. And, and the sinful nature wants the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful na- what the sinful na- nature desires. And then this next phrase, this is everything. 
This is a, sort of the centerpiece, the, the genesis of this entire series. He says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. These two forces are constantly fighting in your world, in our world. And the truth is, is one or the other wins out and governs your life, and it governs my life. You're not free to govern your own life. You think you are. You think you do. But the scripture says these two forces are way stronger than your good intentions, no matter how good they are. And every day, you make choices, and I make choices. And the choices we make are influenced by forces that are both seen and unseen. And here's what actually happens when we make decisions that are, that are consistent with the order of heaven. What happens is, is we bring heaven down into our lives. We, we bring the, the order and the blessing and the, 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 the things of heaven into our lives. And when we make decisions that are against the order of heaven, against the instructions of God, the way that we should go, the instructions God's given us, we pull hell up into our lives. And you've experienced this before. In fact, if you were to continue reading, we, we hear about some of these things that, that can come down into our lives, the blessing of heaven, the things that, that come down and we follow the order of heaven and we submit our lives to the governance of heaven and, and, and God's will for our lives. We experience things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are all the things that are, that are like, you know, we aspire to be and we aspire to do. This is hashtag goals. And these are the people that you, you want to hire. These are the people that you hope your kids turn out to be. This is the per- type of person you want to work for. Yeah, I don't have to describe, I don't have to explain to you that these are the good things in life. And then the, the truth is, is, is this happens in, in, a, in a very significant way. The, the truth is, is, is some of us, we don't realize this, but heaven and hell exist in our world. I'm not used to, to um, three markers, by the way. Anybody like color, the different colors? Any, anybody with me on that? <laughs> Clapping for the colors. Okay, okay. I'm gonna have to mix up the colors more often. Um, so, so there's heaven and there's hell, right? And, and this is what the scriptures teach. And these things, these things exist. They coexist in the world. And you either re- you reach up, when, when we reach up towards the things of heaven, the truth is, is we, we actually bring down more the influence of heaven in our lives. We experience a greater amount of this goodness, this love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, all of these things. We enjoy more of those things in our lives, but there's another option. The option is when we get careless and oftentimes when we, we, we get passive and we don't, we're not intentional about following God's instructions for our life because it's not natural. It's against the flow of the world. What we do is we pull hell up into our lives. And this is what that looks like. It looks like sexual immorality and impurity and idolatry and drunkenness and hatred and anger and jealousy and envy and greed and division. And, and what, what, that, what that looks like in the world is, you know, there, this, this same heaven and hell still exist. They, they're not moving. They're still, they still exist. These two, these forces still exist in our world. But instead of leaning towards and, and reaching towards the ideal that God has for us, that guides us towards, that we don't really realize it fully in this life. But what happens is, is we end up reaching down and, and aiming too low. 
And we end up pulling all sorts of help into our lives. And, and I don't have to, I don't have to, to, to convince you of this because you've experienced this. You've seen it. And, and here's the thing. The reality is, I'm going to say it. I'm coming back to it. The reality is you can't argue with this list. Come on. You can't argue with this list because you've seen the destruction and the hellish consequences that come as a result of these things in your life. The allure of sex and money and possessions and retribution and ways to escape. Those are powerful forces and you can't see them, but they exist. You know they exist because you've been overtaken by them. You've been governed by them. And this is what Jesus warns. There's someone behind this. You have an enemy that exists in this world and he's come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, he came as a rabbi, as a teacher, to guide us in the way. He said, if you'll follow me and you'll follow my way, you'll choose to follow me and follow my way, I will lead you to a fullness of life, life to the full, a life that, that is beyond what you could ask or imagine. It's immeasurably more. And that's why he gives us so many instructions that, that we scratch our head at and we, sometimes we turn up our nose to, like flee sexual immorality. And then he talks about what that is and it's like, oh gosh, that's so old-fashioned. Maybe. Or maybe it's for people who want to experience true intimacy the way God designed for us to experience true intimacy because sexual immorality destroys intimacy. Engaging with more than one person. We talked about this in the Intimate Encounter series. Looking at things you shouldn't look at. It invites chaos into your life and into your relationships. And it destroys true intimacy. Love of money, he says, is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and, and it doesn't, doesn't mean money's evil. There, money's a tool. It can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And, and sometimes we get so focused on stuff. Stuff that you own but it ends up owning you and you're still paying on it over and over and over and it's controlling you. And now you need to work to pay for it. The borrower is slave to the lender and the stuff that you once thought was gonna make you happy and satisfy you. It now controls you, governs your life. He says, don't be mastered by anything. Don't let anything control your life or don't let anything take control over your life. And, and if you need something to take the edge off, I'm not, I'm not talking about something prescribed by, by a medical doctor, but if you need something, a, a vice to take the edge off or to function or just to get through, it's not long, and I'm not judging, it's not long before that gets out of control and becomes unmanageable. Some of you have experienced that. And it takes control of your life. It takes over. It governs your life. He tells us that what God has joined together, no one should separate. Do you not know that more than half of marriages end in divorce? It's a reality in life, maybe. But we've all witnessed the hell that breaks loose in people's lives and in families. And families are divided and pulled apart. You've walked through it. You've walked through others, through it with others. I've walked through it with several people. Here's what you need to know. This and lots of other things, these instructions are not meant to keep you from things. They're to lead you towards something. And, and these choices are fundamentally about governance and authority. 
Don't miss this. The question is, will you align your life to the created, intended, fundamental order of things by following the instructions of the one who created them, who governs them? Will you surrender out of the free will he gave you to allow him to govern your life? And if not, if not, are you prepared for the hell that it's going to pull up into your life? Because make no mistake, there are two forces that are governing the world. One brings hell into our lives and the other brings heaven and goodness into our lives. Are you ready for this? This is, this is it's amazing. Jesus, when, when the word he used uh, over and over when he taught about hell and he talked about hell was the word Gehenna. Gehenna was actually, he was using it metaphorically, it was actually a physical place just outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And do you know what was in Gehenna in this valley? A burning trash heap. I can't make this up, people. It is ironic. What he compared the hellish things we pull into our lives is a dumpster fire, which is how we describe the disasters that we find ourselves in life. There's some things that are new. There's some things that have never changed. And Jesus told us all these years ago, hey, look, if you decide to go your own way and try to govern your own life, that's great. Just don't be deceived because you're not actually governing your life. And here's where it ends up. The reality is, this is what's really going on in the world. This is what's going on in your world. There's two forces that are battling for governance over your life and over my life. And here's the thing. We're good at denying reality. We try to deny reality. We try to escape reality. We try to live in unreality because reality is difficult. The reality of the world that we live in is difficult because of these forces that are battling. I make, I make no light of that. But we've created things like augmented reality and virtual reality to try to escape reality. But there's only one. There's only one true reality. And look, you don't have to buy it. I, I, it's one sermon, it's one message. Some of you are going, I need to check into all this. It would, you know what? It would thrill me to no end if you decided to dig into this more and go figure it out for yourself. I say, have at it. You should think about this. This is serious. This is what's really going on in the world. I, I, I believe this with my whole heart. Something is governing your life and it's not you. You're not that powerful. You're not that strong. I don't care how good your intentions are. There are two primary forces in the world. And one of them's governing your life. It's either the forces of heaven or the forces of hell. It's the forces of good or the forces of evil. It is not you. These two forces, they're constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. So let me just ask you, think about it for a minute. How are you deliberately bringing heaven down into your life? Check, you were here today, way to go. You showed up for church or you showed up for church online. It's a good start. But how else are you? Like, what are you feeding your mind with the other six days of the week? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Like, this is a battle. This is a battle that happens every single day. And the truth is, is, 
You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate, deliberate to allow God to govern and guard and guide your life. He promises to do it by the power of his spirit if you'll let him. Conversely, some of us are carelessly pulling hell up into our lives. We jump from thing to thing to thing. We've tried it every wrong way. Maybe try it the right way one time. Maybe try it God's way one time. I mean, no judgment. I'm just saying you've tried everything else. Why not try this? If you're new to the Bible or you're new to church, it's like you've, you're willing to try just about anything. I mean, give it a shot. Here's, here's why this, I'm so passionate about this. There's more than just you at stake. You know this. It's not just you. There's all sorts of collateral damage. There's friends, there's coworkers, there's family. There's a generational impact. You're modeling things for other people. If you call yourself a Christian, you're a representation of God in this world. People are looking to you. Does your life look any different than anybody else's? It matters. Life and death are at stake each and every day, not just physical, but the life and death of relationships, the life and death of careers, the life and death of your emotional state. It's at stake. And every day when you wake up and every day when I wake up, the battle is on. Make no mistake, the battle is on. When you get in the car, and you're running late on the way to work, and somebody cuts you off, the battle's on. When someone betrays your trust and undercuts you at work, it's the battle's on. These forces are at work. When you have a miscue with your spouse and you're tempted to, to run in your mind all the reasons they did what they did, the battle's on. When we're on the road or traveling by ourselves and there's no accountability, when we come home stressed from work, when, when the demands of home have worn us down, when we're home alone and there's nobody around, there's two forces battling for your attention. There's two forces battling for your allegiance. They're affecting the way you think. They're affecting your decisions. They're affecting your behaviors. And there is a created intended order to the world and God has a plan for your life and he wants to direct your steps towards the best, for, towards the greatest fullness of life. But Satan has a plan for your life as well. And he's working and he's in direct conflict with God and he's trying to lead you astray. And your choice is either to bring heaven down or to pull hell up into your life. And each and every day, moment by moment, there's a battle for your attention. In the coming weeks, we're gonna talk very practically about how to experience the fullness of heaven the fullness of the goodness of God in your life and how to avoid the death and destruction that comes from hell. But today, I, I wanna conclude a little bit differently. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to trust me for a minute. Would you stand with me for a second? I wanna finish with a, a very old challenge. Um, little throwback to benedictions. Anybody grew up in church? Remember a benediction? We're gonna finish with a benediction today. Benediction just means a good word. This is the good word. I, I want you to pay attention. We're gonna put the words on the screen in just a second so you can read along. I just want you to, to, to receive this. You can read along on the screen in your mind as I read this aloud. But this is Moses speaking. 
Now think about this. Moses has the, the Israelites on the brink of, of uh, the promised land that represented all of God's goodness that he promised for his people. The, the land flowing with milk and honey. And it was, it was the place that his people were to live and thrive. They had been there before. And because they didn't trust God, they didn't make it into the land. And a whole generation died and never experienced God's promised land. Standing there again near the end of his life, Moses knowing he's not gonna enter the promised land. Here's what he says to the next generation. Moses says this, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It's not kept beyond the sea so far that you must ask who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand and it's on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this truth that's been preserved. God, I pray for somebody who's here today and they're, they're, they're wanting to argue in their heart and their mind and, and, and they're, they're struggling even in this moment for governance of their life to justify things that they're doing that they're in the middle of, things they know are contrary to the direction and, and instructions that you give us in the scriptures. God, I just pray you'd soften their heart today and help them to know that you're not looking for anything from them. You want something for them. God, I pray they hear my heart as a pastor that, that I'm not, I don't need anything from them. I want something for them. And the for them is what you promised. It's the same for them that you want for them. And it's life to the full. It's escaping the death and destruction of, of the hellish choices that bring consequences up into our lives. God, I pray for somebody who may be new here and they're, they're here for the first time and they're, this is resonating with, with them. They've tried every other way and they're going, I want to surrender the governance of my life to you, Jesus. I pray today in this moment, they would just either maybe physically with their hand reach up or just in their heart, reach up to you and go, God, I, I today before heaven, I want to make the right choice. I want to choose life and not death. I want to choose blessing and not curse. Will you come in and take control of my life? I pray many people across, across the room, even people who profess to be your followers today, maybe for the first time would choose to surrender to you as the governed, the Lord, the King of their lives. And if they walk out of here changed, committed to surrendering to your spirit to guide them in the way that they should go. I pray incredible blessing on their lives as they reach towards your ideals, they reach towards heaven, heaven, shower your blessing, shower your goodness into their lives. And I pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. 
Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.